of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Class A teaching professional Greg Ducharme. Let me remind you a little bit about Greg's background. He is from Rexford, New York, which isn't far from Schenectady in Albany. Graduated from Coastal Carolina University with a degree in professional golf management. He is a Class A teaching professional, and he teaches at the Michael Breed Golf Academy up at Trump Golf Links at Perry, uh, uh, Perry Point which is just outside of New York City. You can hear him weekday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time, co-hosting A New Breed of Golf with Michael Breed on Sirius XM and Sirius Channel 208 and XM 92. I listen to him every morning on my way to work. Greg does such a tremendous job, and I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Greg, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks for having me. So, Greg, as you know, I listen to you and Michael every morning on my commute to work. And, and, you know, this week, everyone is talking about slow play. I know you and Michael are talking about slow play on your show. Bryson DeChambeau is a guy out there taking the brunt of it this week. But uh, your thoughts, what do you think about slow play? How do you how if you were commissioner, how do you fix it? Man, slow play is a it's one of these issues that has. Just there, there are so many tentacles to this thing, and and to me, it's a very complicated issue, and I think that's why it hasn't been solved yet. I mean, this is something we've been talking about for 50 years plus. At least that's what everybody tells me. I mean, I, I certainly don't remember uh, it, it going back that long, but it, but it's been going on for quite some time, and it's a complicated thing. And the part of the problem is, as the tournament goes on, as the tee times get later and later in the day times get slower and slower. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, and, and that's for a variety of reasons. So it's very complicated to police. Part of that is when we watch on TV, we're watching the later groups. And it's just going to be a little bit slower. It's harder to play, but it's impossible to play faster than the group in front of you. So I think it's a difficult thing. I, I don't say that it's an easy thing, but I think the solution that solves all the problems solves all the problems to me is is a shot clock i think it would add uh, first of all i mean players would play faster they know there's a there's a, a timer the way i see it the the um person who's holding the score the you know the um uh the score sheet for each group has a shot clock on top of it and i think it would actually add some some drama for the viewer as well you know you kind of see the clock running down. Is he going to make a decision? You know, what's going to happen? I think it would uh, draw some more eyes to the game while also making everybody play a little bit faster. And, and one last point on this, you, you know, you think about how to solve slow play. I've been a marshal before uh, at, at a golf course in Florida, and it's one of the hardest jobs that you can possibly have. Part of the reason is backups happen at various times during a hole, during a round for various reasons. And that, you know, it, like, for instance, the putting green is typically going to take a little bit longer than the approach shot. And the tee shot is going to be the fastest by far. I, I mean, even Bryson DeChambeau, everybody that you watch will play very quickly um, when it comes to a tee shot because they have that information already. As you get closer to the hole, it gets uh, it, it demands more precision and that takes a little bit more time. So to me, a, a hard shot clock would would solve all those issues. So when when the clock reaches double zeros, what do you think is it is is the, an appropriate penalty 
to add strokes, one or two, or is the appropriate penalty to hit guys in the wallet? So at the end of the tournament, based on, you know, something, whether it's a percentage or a, or a hard dollar amount, that's where you get them. Do you hit them in the wallet? Do you hit them on the scorecard, which eventually hits them in the wallet? Well, I think you have to hit them on the scorecard uh, for a variety of reasons. One, they hit them in the wallet already. If you um, get a bad time enough, I think it's if you get put on the clock more than 10 times during a year, um, you you, be, you get fined additionally after that. We just don't hear about those kind of things. And so I think you got to you got to do it by a stroke, which eventually hits them in the wallet. Um, but, you know, to that end, I think you have to give them um, a timeout, uh, at least, you know, a certain number of timeouts. Maybe it's a timeout per side. Maybe it's four timeouts during a round that, you know, things happen in a round of golf. It's not as simple as, hey, get up there and hit it. It's not like these guys are just standing around uh, while they could be getting ready to hit a shot. You know, there there are things that happen. Wind change, uh, conditions change, fans can distract you. Uh, you know, a bug can fly in your eye. I'm sure that's happened to you out on the golf course. There there are things that happen during um, the the amount of time where you're preparing to hit a shot. So I think you have to take that into account and give them a timeout um, or a certain number of timeouts, whatever that is. But I think you got to hit them with a with a, a one stroke penalty when they you know, get a bad time. Hey, yeah, that timeout option is 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 intriguing, right? Because as you were saying that, Greg, I'm I'm thinking back to Jordan Spieth at the Open Championship a couple of years ago, right? You know, we all know what happened on the back yep. nine and the and the ball that went on the driving range. If you're putting him on the clock and you get you're giving him 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it is, and he's trying to figure out what to do, that that might not that may never happen. He may not go on to win that golf tournament, and the whole thing could change. So, yeah, that's a great yeah, idea. Well, I like you know, I like that the idea of the timeout. Sure that you're, um, you, you have. To, I don't think in that case Jordan would have to use the timeout. It, when there's a ruling going on, that's kind of an exception. The clock doesn't start when you're in need of a ruling. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think this is about the player's pre-shot routine. The ball is in play. The ball is live. The ball's ready to be hit. That's when the clock starts. Not just when you get up to your ball and you realize that it's in a hole and you can't play it and now you got to take a drop and you got to, you know, assess some options. I don't think at that time the clock would start. Um, but I, I think that the timeout is more for a scenario where, um, you know, you're getting ready to hit, you're standing over the ball, you've got 10 seconds to hit it, and all of a sudden a, a fan in the stands, their, their cell phone rings or they take a picture or you get distracted. Maybe an airplane goes by and you got to back off. That's when you use a timeout, not when there's a, a ruling, in my opinion. Greg, another hot topic is the, the PGA Tour playoffs and the playoff system. I want to get your thoughts. Does, does the game need the playoffs, and does anybody really care by anybody? I mean, the casual fan. Does the casual fan care about the playoffs if, the, if Tiger Woods isn't the guy on top of the leaderboard? Man, I'm so glad you asked this, Chris. I have... So, and I'm also glad you asked it early on in our in our brief time together because I have so many thoughts on the playoffs and how it should all work. So, um, I, I think you have to kind of break this down into what does a fan want to watch? Because some of this, I think the PGA Tour has done a fantastic job of. Some of it, I I don't think they've done a fantastic job of. So, um, a, a couple things. A fan, in my opinion, wants to watch one. They want to watch the best players in the world play. And I'll give all the credit in the world to the PGA Tour. They have figured out a way to get their very best players playing 
this time of year. Um, and they've done that with the, with a purse and the FedEx cup purse and the, the bonus structures are, are incredible. I mean, the FedEx between the FedEx cup and the Wyndham rewards, they have $70 million in bonus, uh, prize money that they're giving out to, to their players. And that is, that's the job of the PGA tour. They are supposed to find ways to make their players more dollars. Um, and, and they did that. And so as a result, the best players in the world want to watch. To me, that's something that uh, that the casual fan wants to see. They want to see Brooks Koepka. They want to see Tiger Woods, of course, Rory McIlroy. They they want to see these guys playing, and they they all play together this time of year. So that yeah, great job. Um, a couple of other things you want to see. You want to see an an event of importance, and an event of importance is hey, it's the U.S. Open. Okay, this is a meaningful event. Um, the, the, obviously all four majors, world golf championships, the players championship, the, the events that have sort of, um, a historical meaning to me are very important. When you look at the playoffs and the FedEx Cup playoffs and the tour championship, at this point, we don't really count how many FedEx Cup suppliers won or, uh, you know, it doesn't really add to your, credibility and getting into the hall of fame it doesn't really quite do that it doesn't quite have the allure at this point but that being said you got to start somewhere right the u.s open didn't have the allure that it has now when it first started it, it takes a little bit of time for tournaments and events to to develop some momentum so um i i do think the playoffs could become something really special for the pga tour but um not the way that they're currently going about it so we've covered two things one getting the players to play to the event. Uh, the golf course is an important thing. I think people are more likely to watch an event at, um, at Pebble Beach. I, I think the place that sticks out to me is Augusta National. And you think about, obviously, the Masters is the, the most watched tournament uh, on the, in, in professional golf. But the Augusta National Women's Amateur had, had pretty good success this year as well. And I think People will watch a golf course like Augusta National, even though there is no other golf course like Augusta National. They will watch that uh, just to see the course. So, and I do think that the FedEx Cup playoffs goes to some pretty good courses. Um, but the last point, the last kind of reason people watch is to see a compelling event. And a lot of things go into a compelling tournament. I, you know, one I think of um, the Honda Classic this year, where it was. A, a fairly weak field, especially compared to years prior. But at the end of the tournament, you had the two big name players that p- happened to play really well, which is fortunate, Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka. And they're in the clubhouse at eight under par. And Keith Mitchell, who nobody, nobody knows who Keith Mitchell is. He, he has not really won very many tournaments. He didn't win any tournaments in college. He may have won one mini tour event. He didn't win on what's now the Corn Ferry Tour, he, he is not really known to be a winner. It's not a guy that a lot of people know. When he makes birdie on the 18th hole, we kind of fall in love. We, we love that compelling event. And when you look at the Tour Championship and the way that it's set up now, the way that we're, they're going to play it this year, I think that this is what the PGA Tour has sort of lost sight of. They've lost sight of the importance of a compelling event. Now, it's we, we all know that it, it's sort of a, uh, a handicap event. Every player doesn't start at even par. The player that's first in the FedEx Cup points will start at 10 under par. Second will be eight. And then it goes down from there. And, and uh, the last five players in the field, 26 to 30, will, will be at even par. And they're going to be 10 shots behind. 
And I think back to last year when Tiger Woods won the Tour Championship and they opened up the ropes and the crowds were following Tiger up to the 18th green. And it was a moment that, that literally made people cry because they got to see Tiger Woods win again. And if that format, if, if last year's format was like it will be this year, he wouldn't have won. Even though he played the best throughout the entire week, he still wouldn't have won. So I, I think they've kind of, we're losing the importance of a compelling event. Um, and I think it's a shame. I, I really do. I, I mean, I know we haven't seen the tournament yet, so I guess I'll give him a little break here. But to me, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to give the best player in the world, the best player for the year, the the biggest advantage. It, it doesn't quite add up. There are some other things that don't quite add up to me, but uh, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts, Chris? Well, I, you know, for me, Greg, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's great to see the the top, you know, the field go from 120 down to 70 and, you know, on through until we get to the top 30 at the tour championship. I think that's, that's good. Um, I, I'm just not a huge fan of the, you know, how they're sort of playing with the formula for the tour championship. I think there's got to be a better, more compelling way to get to who's number one, I, I, you know, but I don't have the answer. I think that's something that uh, I'm looking forward to trying to figure out. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, my, I, I like the fact that they reduced it by a tournament. I didn't like the four tournaments, you know, at the end and it seemed sort of drug out to me. So um, like we've heard, heard some of the players talk about, it's a little bit more of a sprint now. And I like that, um, that they've gone that route. Um, but yeah, I, you know, my, my concern is that, you know, we, we talk about the players championship, everyone forever has wanted to talk about how that's sort of the fifth beetle. And now we've got, you know, where's, where does the tour championship sort of fit in there? And you're right. You know, tournaments take a while to evolve and, and grow into being something of even greater significance over time. Uh, I'm just not sure where the tour championship fits in. If the, if the players is the fifth, is the tour championship the sixth? And if it's the sixth, no. you know, that, that sort of really diminishes it. Yeah, I, I really, I don't even know if it, especially the way that it is this year, I don't even know if it ranks. Everyone who wins this tournament from this point forward, as long as they go on with this format, to me, that victory has a, a major asterisk next to it. Unless there's somebody that came back from even par, which I don't think you're going to see happen. Um, you know, so I, I have, I do have a, a solution that um, I'm happy to offer if you'd like to hear. What, what do you think? You want to hear yeah, my absolutely. my solution? All right. So I do. I've put a lot of thought into this. I'm really happy that we uh, are getting to talk about this. So a couple things that I think they should do. They have taken the uh, Wyndham Championship, and they tried to make the Wyndham Champion. They tried to elevate the Wyndham Championship um, by adding the Wyndham Rewards at the end of the year. I thought it was going to do that. They they put up $10 million to uh, reward the players for the regular season, which is important. The regular season is important here. Um, and what ended up happening is nine of the players that were in the top 10 going into the Wyndham Championship did not play. Uh, Paul Casey was the only one who did play. And Webb Simpson was just outside and was able to play his way in. So there wasn't a lot of change. And the Wyndham rewards didn't really – the Wyndham didn't really get what they wanted out of it. So, um, so that's one thing. And, and when you look at the formula for the Tour Championship now, what they're trying to do is they want to reward – in my opinion, they have two things in mind. They want to, one, reward players for the regular season. Actually, it's three things. Two, they want to have playoffs. 
Um, and three, they want to make sure the winner of the tour championship is the winner of the FedEx Cup. And that's where the problem lies for me. As I said, it, they're losing the idea of having a compelling tournament, but they don't have to. So if they take, if they could figure out a way, Wyndham and FedEx, to take this $70 million of bonus money that they have, that they give to the players at the end of the year, if they could read, um, you know, rearrange that. And they basically would split it. In my, in my opinion, they would split it and they would take 35 million to the regular season and 35 million to the playoffs. And maybe it's not an even split. Maybe it's a 60 40 split one way or another. I don't know. Whatever they want to do. I, I quite frankly don't really think that the people care much about that, but I would make the Wyndham championship the, um, sort of the regular season finale. And I think it would really elevate the Wyndham Championship, which is a great event. Everybody loves to watch it. Um, but it would really elevate that event. It would get players to play. If you could figure out a way to get the regular season champion, and this, this year it would be Brooks Kepka, he was going to win $10 million as a reward for what he did over the regular season. And then what you have, which I, there are so many things to get into here because the schedule is a, a factor in this. The upcoming schedule for this year would allow for this. You would basically have – the Open Championship, the 3M Open, the Wyndham, and then you could take a week. You could, you could take a week off, and then you could go into playoffs. So that's important because that's going to allow everybody to everybody who wants to play to play. They can go. They can play in the WGC in between the U.S. Open and the Open. They can play in the Open. They can take the 3M off if they want, and then they can play the Wyndham. Then they get another week off, and then they have three playoff events. So from that point, now you've taken the Wyndham Championship and it's a regular season finale with big rewards, a $10 million bonus to the, to the winner. Um, and, and that's weighted like a regular PGA Tour event. So if, you know, Brooks Koepka doesn't have to play, well, he might want to play if Rory McIlroy is right behind him and he's going to play. So you're going to, other players will incentivize other players to play. So I think that's important. And then when you get into the playoffs, now you can have a real playoff structure and you can lose the idea that you have to reward the regular season. The only purpose of the regular season in other sports is to seed players for the playoffs. Now you're not going to get a home game. You're not going to get uh, any, any event like that. But the way I would do it is I would take the Northern trust and I would have it tear down to 70 players, but it would be the top 70 players in the Northern trust. And maybe you have something where the top 10 players, uh, get a buy into the BMW championship. So if you're Brooks Kepka and you missed the cut at the Northern Trust, you get a buy into the next week. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. Um, although I don't really think it's necessary. So you play the Northern Trust, the top 125, the 70 players that make the cut advance to the BMW championship and they would play at Medina or, or wherever they have it out in Chicago. And then from there, the top 30 in that field go play the tour championship. And now you have a winner-take-all tour championship with uh, X amount of dollars, uh, a, a $10 million bonus to the winner of the playoffs. And, and now you can play the tour championship as a, as a stroke play event. It's, it's a regular event with 30 guys on your tour that are playing better golf than anybody else. And I think it would be really exciting, and I think the tour championship would really, uh, would, would really benefit from it. And even if it didn't, you would have the Wyndham reward. You would have the Wyndham Championship that would benefit hugely. So you'd kind of have, you know, you'd have these four events in a row that would be of great significance, 
And I think you would get the best players in the world to play. What, what do you think of that idea? No, I like it. And I, I tell you what I like about it. You know, all the way through to the end, where you talk about how the tour championship is just a stroke play event, right? Because, I mean, that's what every other major is. It's not like you, you know, there's any sort of, um, you know, point system or whatever, so that somebody gets a greater advantage than somebody else. And based on this and that and where everybody finishes, you, you decide who the master champion is. No, you get in there and you play to win it. And I like that idea, you know, and I like the, you know, you, you mentioned winner take all. I really like that idea. Right, you get into the tour championship, and the top thirty yeah. players are playing a stroke play event where it's winner take all. I love that. I think that's a great it, idea. Yeah, it's kind of fundamental to playoffs. Playoffs in all sports are winner take all, and our our sport is the only one where it's not. Yeah, exactly right. So I think that's a great idea, and I think you should talk to him about that on the show tomorrow with Michael and get that put out there. I think that's a great suggestion, and obviously this will become a podcast, and and I'll be plugging that idea because I think you're on to something, Greg. Yeah, all right, I like. Let it. me ask you. Let me ask you a little something. You know, a little twist here. You know, as we talk about, the, does the casual fan care if Tiger Woods isn't in the mix? Now, the opposite side of that, I think, is something that is sort of brewing right now because with Patrick Reed's win, he zooms up to number two, right? Patrick Reed has been a pretty unpopular Masters champion. He would be a pretty unpopular Tour Championship winner. Does the Tour need for a Brooks Kepka or a Rory McIlroy who is in third or even a popular guy like Cooch who is fourth right now, does, does the Tour Championship need one of those guys to win, to, to kind of feel good about its champion, because like I say, a, a Patrick Reed tour championship winner, I think would be sort of like a dud. Well, you know, it, it, that's a, a very fair point. I understand what you're saying. Um, although I, I will say, I don't necessarily think that unpopular players winning is a bad thing for the tour. Um, because after the event is over, there's a lot of you know, kind of discussion, like in our business, if the Americans win the Ryder Cup, there's a lot less to talk about than if the Americans lose the Ryder Cup. And uh, <laughs> not that I would ever root for them to lose, but when unpopular things happen, it creates controversy, which creates discussion. So I, I don't necessarily think that uh, Patrick Reed winning the Tour Championship is uh, a bad thing for the game. I, I, I Really don't. I think people would kind of, it, it could draw some eyes. There's kind of a, a villain. And I don't think a villain in the game right. is, is a bad thing at all. There may be a little rivalry. I, I don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but you bring up right. an interesting point with Patrick Reed and the fact that he has jumped all the way up to number two. I mentioned earlier how they want to reward the regular season, uh, in the, in the FedEx Cup. And Patrick Reed has had, uh, four top tens on the year, one win. It hasn't been a great year for him. Um, until late. And basically his one win in the, in the Northern Trust vaulted him ahead of Rory McElroy, who has finished in the top 10 nearly 75% of the time that he's teed it up. And he has two wins, one of which is the players championship. So that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But, um, uh, again, with the, as for who wins, what does the tour need for out of the winner? I, I think they're in a really difficult spot. I don't, I think we're going to leave kind of, uh, in question, we, I don't think we're really going to know who the winner really is. It, it's going to be like we're, we're going to be trying to figure things out. Well, Brooks Kepka is 17 under, but he started at 10, and Billy Horschel started at one under. So 
he's now at 11. I, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of confusing things going on. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a dud no matter what, personally. I hope it's not. But, you know, at, at the same time, I kind of hope it is because I hope they change it because I just I just don't think it's a very good idea. Um, and, and I think they're going to see that. I, I don't think it's going to be a compelling event. Um, and, and, yeah. but I will say this, they are really going to know how much people care about the FedEx cup after this year, because they moved, they, they don't have football as an excuse anymore. They're no longer competing with football, right. um, with this schedule change. So we're really going to get a great idea. We're going to find that out this year. I, I'm interested to see what happens. Um, but I, I, I'm not very excited about the event, quite frankly. Greg, I want to get your thoughts on Tiger Woods. Obviously, you know, we're withdrawing this past week. We're sort of in limbo. Do you think we we will see or that we should see Tiger Woods playing this week at the BMW Championship? Or do you think, you know what, he might need to think about packing it in this year in order to get himself healthy and ready for the new golf season once we turn the calendar to 2020? Well, he's obviously an incredibly important figure in our game. Um, and it's something that I don't really enjoy watching. It, it, de- it definitely feels like, uh, you know, the wind gets taken out of your sails when Tiger's in an event and then doesn't play. Um, do I think that he will play? I, I don't know. I can't give you a, a solid answer on that. Do I think that he should? That depends on the first question. If, if he's ready to play, then I do think he should. Um, but I think that he's got to get himself healthy. And I have a lot of questions about Tiger. I feel like after the Masters, he kind of uh, packed it in. He did show a little bit at the U.S. Open. He he was four over after six on Sunday. And, you know, if, if anybody's going to mail it in, that's the time to mail it in. You're, you're, you're not going to win. And you're a player that only really cares about winning um, because of your record. A, a tied 21st or a tied... 55th that makes it means no difference to tiger woods but what tiger did on that sunday is he made six birdies coming down the stretch in the last 12 holes um and and shot two under par so that kind of showed me something that tiger's not out there mailing it in he really doesn't care it's just a matter of his health and uh, i have a lot of questions about it Uh, what i hope for tiger is that he can do whatever he can to be as healthy as he can for um for the majors and i think tiger's got to take a real hard look at his schedule and and design his playing schedule uh a a little bit more meticulously so that he can be more prepared for the majors yeah just sort of one more on that topic greg and i'm i'm just sort of curious if if tiger is, is going to be able to get healthy because um and i'm sure you saw the video it seemed like right after the masters there was a video, and I believe it was Taylor made. I could be wrong about that, but there was a sort of a celebratory event where he walked in, and they were videotaping and that sort of thing. And he, he sort of walked, you know, awkwardly. It seemed like a guy who was, you know, very sore, sort of beaten up a little bit. And to your point, it seems like you know he he's essentially been gone since then. I mean, you're right. He had a minute at a couple of tournaments where you know he finished, you know, a tie ninth and tie twenty first and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think and uh, my, my guest last week, Perry French, had, had said, uh, I think Tiger has played, I think now it's 14 competitive rounds since the Masters. It just seems like, you know, we, we all want it so badly. And, you know, we got we guys we sort of got the Christmas present right in April. Tiger wins again and he wins a major and how exciting that was and how great to your point, how big that is for our game. 
but boy, he just seems like a guy that um, is might be teetering right now. I'm 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 concerned about how much how much more we're going to get, uh, how much life is left on the treads for Tiger. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very fair concern, very reasonable concern. Uh, I think to think anything else would be um, kind of unreasonable. Now I will say this: I'll never doubt the man. I can't doubt I can't doubt the guy because if you doubt that guy, you will be proven wrong. And but but I do think for for the PGA Tour, um, for us as fans, I, I think we have to start preparing for um, for the tour without Tiger, especially the PGA Tour. What are they going to do without Tiger? Because if he yep. were to win the Masters again, like there's no harm in being wrong and having Tiger come back and win again next year. It, that would be a fantastic surprise. But we're at a point now where we can't rely on that. It's something that um, that that the PGA Tour has to, and I'm sure that they are. They have to take a real hard look at it and hey, who are the stars of the game aside from Tiger, and how can we promote them to to really you know take the tour by by the horns and, and grow this thing and make, make sure that people are still interested and people are still watching without Tiger because his health, the way that it seems is so unpredictable. It's something that, you know, he as he said, he can't practice the way that he used to. He, he just can't put that grind in and, and to get to a point like he did in April um, winning at Augusta, it clearly took a lot out of him. And I, I mean, I hold nothing against Tiger. He is, uh, certainly deserve the right to take the entire rest of the year off after what he did for all of us in April. So um, that's incredibly impressive. I just think we have to be prepared for uh, for the end of the Tiger Woods era and wh- whatever that means. And if he if he comes back and wins again, then then that's a huge bonus, and we can all root for it. But uh, but I don't think we can be reliant on that. And I agree with you, and that's and that's a great point, Greg, because that's one of the frustrations that uh, I and you know many of my buddies have is that that the PGA Tour is so focused on Tiger, sort of hyper focused, that even when he's out of it, the the headlines on ESPN.com and a lot of you know a lot of other sites is Tiger birdies hole you know first hole in round three. I mean you know he's tied for fifty fourth. But that's the headline. Tiger birdies first hole. Like we're going to get excited. And it's like they don't know what else to do. It's all the eggs are in the tiger basket and they don't know what else to do because they're not doing it. And this is just my opinion. They're not doing a great job of promoting the other players. If it's not Rory McElroy and it's not Jordan Spieth, it's like they don't know who else to talk about. And it's like everything is all about Tiger because that's all they've known for 20 years is Tiger Woods, we're not ready yeah. for who the next guy is because they're not doing a great job of promoting the next guy. Well, well, I, I do think that, um, that that's a little bit, it's a little complicated. And I give them, uh, whoever they are, I guess, I guess the media, the tabloids, I, I guess whoever that is, I give them a little bit of a break because Tiger, it, it, the, the fact of the matter is he still sells. And if Tiger Woods is shopping for groceries, we're all going to want to watch. Like people will want to watch that. They people <laughs> love that guy. And 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 so if you're in the media, it's your job to kind of you want to provide news for people, but you also you want to entertain. And if you're going to entertain, you get people interested. Tiger's going to get people interested, whether he missed the cut or won the tournament or anywhere in between. That's just the way that it is. So I give them, it's a complicated situation because if you're, let's say, uh, you're, you're a magazine and you want to put something on the cover, well, 
Tiger Woods is going to sell somebody on the cover. And um, and someone like Colin Morikawa, who we have all loved watching, he's probably not going to sell as many as, as many copies as Tiger Woods. So what do you do? How do you get how, how you get that started? It, it's easy to say, hey, we need to look at Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa. We need to take these guys and really promote them and and make you know make the fans fall in love with them. So we have these three new stars in the game, or maybe it's John Rahm or Justin, whoever. Um, but right. but at the same time, right now that's not going to work. And you got to answer to your boss, and you got to sell a certain number of tabloids or, or get a certain number of clicks on your website. And so you're in a little bit of a, a difficult position, in my opinion. And, and it's a lot easier said than done is, is I guess, my only point. Greg, uh, just a couple more before I let you go. I want to switch gears and got to get a playing lesson for my listeners out here. And um, one of the things I think many of us struggle with, particularly us that, uh, you know, only getting to play on weekends is sort of that in-between shot, the 40 to 50 yards out, you know, that sort of soft, you know, requires some, some good touch. It's not typically a full swing with a lob wedge or a sandwich. It's like, like I say, sort of that in-betweener. How do we develop that sort of touch and how do we hit that shot closer so we're taking two strokes to get in the hole instead of three or four? Okay. Uh, so couple of, uh, there are a couple of things that go into play here. One, it's an in-between shot. It requires some feel, as you said. And developing that feel is going to take a little bit of practice. And I know that's an unpopular thing to say because, hey, we don't want to practice. We want to just go out and have a magic wand and make it work. But guess if I had a magic wand, I would have broken on myself, right? I mean, I'd be the best 50-yard wedge player in the world. But it takes a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of work. You have to learn the difference between a 40-yard shot, a 50-yard shot, a 60-yard shot. You, you got to understand what the difference is in your mind. Develop that feel. So when you're on the course and you're faced with that one shot, you can execute it. That being said, what are some keys for the technique? When you do go practice, what are you going to practice? Well, you, you have to make sure that this motion is as simple as possible. So, so my sort of in the fundamentals, we have to, one, make sure we can make ball first contact. Two, we got to make sure we can hit the ball with a, a predictable trajectory and a predictable amount of spin. So when, we, when we're trying to get predictable, we want to eliminate variables. And one of the most well, how do I say this? The the easiest variable to get rid of and the variable that most players have the most of in, in this sort of shot is the amount of wrist activity that they have. And most players who struggle with this shot, um, it, they are what I call active hands and passive body. And I like to see really good wedge players are, are going to be active body and passive hands. And what does that mean? Well, that means your body has to move in this shot. It's a short shot. It's a shot that makes you nervous. When you get in that situation, you don't want to move because you're fearful, but you have to move. You have to make sure that your chest has a little bit of turn in the backswing and especially in the through swing. When you finish this shot, you, you want to make sure that your chest is facing the target all the way to the target every time, whether it's a 40-yard shot, whether it's, I mean, even for a 10-yard shot, you can still face the target with your chest. It's a great way to get through the ball. And what it does is it eliminates your, um, it, it takes away some of the, um, the importance of your hands. Your hands don't have to move. Your arms and hands don't have to move across your body in order to hit the ball. Your body moves your arms into the ball. And now it becomes predictable. Um, so uh, the other thing I would say is I, I like to see 
limited wrist hinge. Uh, if if you can get away with no wrist hinge at all, like a Steve Stricker or a Jason Day, you're going to be really, really successful. Um, very, very limited, very quiet in the hands, and very active in the body. And that's going to be a way to get you consistent contact on the ball, uh, a, a fairly consistent trajectory, um, and definitely a much better feel, certainly a much more solid strike on the ball. Craig, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Listen to you on the show, plus also follow you on social media. Yeah, definitely listen to the show. Uh, it's on Sirius XM, PGA Tour Radio. That's Sirius 208 XM 92. And that's on from 8 to 10, Monday through Friday. And if you missed that, if you have the Sirius XM app, you can listen to those shows on demand. That show is called A New Breed of Golf. Uh, Michael Breed is, is the host of myself. I'm, I'm sitting alongside there for the ride. So that's always an entertaining listen. Um, and then you can also get me on Twitter. I'm at the real GFD. Um, that, that's a great way to get in touch with me. And if you're interested in getting a golf lesson, go over to michaelbreed.com uh, in the Academy section and you, you can schedule a lesson with me right there. Greg, as I've said to you before, and, and my opinion is a, a, a new breed of golf is, is the best when, when you and Michael are bantering back and forth and sharing your, both of your thoughts all at the same time. I think that's the, the best quality golf show that uh, people are going to find. And, and I hope sometime soon we get a little bit more of that and a little bit more of you and uh, the PGA Tour channel, uh, hopefully at some point here before long, learns what a great talent you are and gets you your own show because you're great at it, my friend, and uh, I hope we get more and more of you as time goes on. Oh, Chris, that, I mean, coming from you, that means so much to me. Uh, I, you have no idea. I've been working really hard at it, and uh, it's something I enjoy doing, and it, it's nice to hear that every once in a while. But, uh, you know, before I go, I just want to thank you for all the support you've given me uh, and and so, and many of the other guests that you have, it's always it's always great to see on on Twitter and social media, and and I, I love being on your show. Anytime you want to have me, I am I'm happy to come on and talk about these uh, these exciting issues. So you just let me know anytime. All right. I appreciate you. Thanks very much, Greg. Take care. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thanks again, Chris. Take care. See you, Greg. That's Greg Ducharme at the Real GFD is where you can follow him on Twitter, and he's a he's a wonderful follow. And uh, like I say, folks, um, Michael Breed is is certainly one of the best in our game, one of the best instructors there is. Um, but when you uh, get an opportunity to hear Greg, and I think their their interaction with one another is when the show is at its best because we get a little bit more of Greg and Greg's insights and his his playing lessons and uh, his contributions. So. Listen to the show 8 to 10 uh, every morning on PGA Tour Radio on Sirius XM. Take a listen to Greg. Every once in a while, we get the uh, privilege of hearing Greg when Michael's off doing some other things. So sometimes you get to tune in and get a lot more of Greg. He's a, he's a wonderful talent. He's a great guy. He's uh, one of the best instructors as well. When you look at instructors, every year we hear about you know the top 40, under 40, and that's where you're going to find Greg listed all the time. He is, uh, he is certainly a great instructor as well. So that quick playing lesson was fantastic. And the next time I get him on the show, we'll try to get a little bit more of that as well. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out to Cindy Miller, Andy Lano, and Greg Ducharme as well for joining me. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to keep up with uh, what our guest schedule looks like and who we've got coming up. 
Please also check us out on a, on a great site, launchpaddm.com. Can't thank those, fo- those folks enough. Been featuring us front and center right there on their homepage. Click the subscribe button, if you will, for, uh, for our show next on the T. We'd really appreciate that very much. You can also find us streaming available on great apps. You know, Podbean have been great friends of ours over the years. We're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, pretty much any place you can go and listen to your favorite podcast, you're going to find us. We're out there on iTunes. We're on, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. Any place you go, you're going to be able to find us. We hope you'll uh, make us a part of your golfing content there and uh, subscribe to our show on whatever site you like. Folks, I can't thank you enough for tuning in and being a part of the show today and uh, making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the G with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors